Now you listen to me. I don't want any plastics. I don't want any ground floors. And I don't want to get married to anyone. You understand that? I want to do what I want to do. And you, and you would... And then the baby. <laughs> so we are recording. We're going. Awesome. We're live. All right. I would like to start with a quick prayer with y'all. All right. Sure. So if we yeah. can bow our heads real quick. Father in heaven, thank you for bringing me together with Zach, Joseph, Larry, and Johnny. And we pray that this conversation that we have honors you, praises you, and we love you in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Well, thanks for having us. Thanks for coming on. I want to give people a little bit of context to how we even met you. So I met you today, <laughs> today, yeah. in this morning in church. Zach met you a week ago, and this we found this to be a theme so far in the past few weeks for our podcast, where we just meet people, we feel this nudge to have them on, and so we think your story is really cool and your message is really cool, um, and so we didn't we didn't get too much into it this morning because we wanted to save it to hear it first time here. So you're just to give probably a little bit of a poor introduction because I don't even know much about you yet, but you're <laughs> 40 years old? Uh, 39 going on 40 you're this 39 year. 39 going on 40. Mm-hmm. You do not look so that. I, so I claim 40 already. Yeah, you claim yeah, 40 already. I claim 40 already. It's already there. <laughs> and you started a, a business. You kind of went out on your own five years ago. It's turned into to multiple businesses and we'll get into all that. And then you've also been on a, a like a spiritual journey as well. You've been on different relational journeys too. And I think we think you have a really interesting um, experience inside of that that a lot of people perspective inside of that that a lot of people our age could really benefit from. And so, kind of, I think I'd like to start if you could give us a little bit of a background on yourself, where you grew up, um, and then kind of walk us through how you even ended up where you're at right now. So people have a a context to who you are. All right. So I'm going to really zoom through my first 35 years. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Born and raised in Houston, Texas, right? Three hours away. Uh, Family, both parents are from Mexico, Monterrey specifically. Uh, Me and my sisters, I have three sisters. I'm the only boy. Uh, We're born and raised in Houston, Texas. Fast forward through uh, the, my early ages, I was my first I've always gone to church but in the beginning it was through I was a Catholic or at least that's what I was raised into uh walked away from the church when I was younger when I turned 18 I made the decision or 17 I made the decision that I was going to go to the Air Force and go to the military so I did that and I was in the military for six active years two years reserve and during the military I was stationed in Germany I was stationed in Wyoming, Cheyenne, Wyoming. I deployed to Kuwait, and then I deployed to Iraq. And then in between, I had a couple of other places that I kind of visited, but I don't yeah, really yeah. count those. We call those TDY, temporary duty stations, very short visits. Um, but then after I got out of the military in 2009, I made the decision to come back down to Texas, but I didn't want to go to Houston. Uh, when I was 18 or 17, 16, actually for the longest time that I can remember, I wanted to leave Houston. I did not want to live there. There was just something about Houston that just didn't jive with me. Mm. 
So when I got out of the military, I was looking to see where I can go. New York was an option. Colorado was an option. And then, of course, going back to Texas was an option. Where were you when you got out of the military? Where were you living? Living? Yeah, where were you living? Cheyenne, Wyoming. Okay, okay. Cheyenne. okay. So the, I believe that's the capital. Um, just north of Denver. Okay. Maybe an hour, okay. hour and a half north of Denver. Okay, that's Cheyenne, oh. Wyoming, in the high mountains. And then moved here to Austin. And I've been in Austin since 2009. Oh wow! Quick Dang, little. Yeah, okay, You've been okay. here for a while. Yeah. Okay. What, 15, 16 years, almost. No, fifteen. This will be fifteen years. <laughs> wow. Dang. So I was like, I'm sure you've seen Austin grow quite a bit. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> you moved here when it's... I was in like fifth grade, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. So you were what? Uh, Eleven years old. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ten or eleven. Mm -hmm. Two thousand nine. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, probably eleven because you're two six years old. You're, you're two years older than me, so yeah, I think I was eleven. Yeah, that's good stuff. I love it though. I love it. I love it. I love meeting everybody. You know, honestly, yeah. from different ages. And again, some of the things that I've experienced back in the day, I can't imagine what y'all are going through. Now I don't have my phone on me, but we're in the age of technology where everybody's looking down back when i was growing up we still had the tv and so we were glued to the tv playing video games yeah, and that was how yeah. i was raised unfortunately and now i look back at back at it and see see it as a complete waste of time mm, okay really? i got really good at video games this was before Twitch. This was before it became a sensation to watch people play video games. I was never like that. I was always the type of like, okay, I'm waiting for my turn. I'm waiting for my turn. I'm waiting to kick your butt in this game. Uh, I was yeah. never the type that wanted to just watch other people play. So I don't get this culture uh, to each their own. I was good at video games, but I never thought of it as being a career like it would be now. So I just decided to go to the military and uh, get a trade. Yeah. Now, in the military, I was a cop, MP, and primarily did security, a little bit of law enforcement, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, leaving the military, I knew I didn't want to continue with that. So mm -hmm. once I got to Austin, I went to school to become a paramedic. But at the same time of going to school for paramedicine, I was going to school to get my degree in kinesiology and nutrition. So I was doing oh, everything awesome. at the same oh time gosh. on top of work and all that kind of stuff. Because I never, I didn't never knew what direction I really wanted to go, but I knew nine one one was fun. <laughs> okay, <laughs> paramedicine was going to be a safe job, mm. and that's kind of how I grew up. I was basically encouraged to pick those safe jobs, mm. and always have money in the bank and pay your bills and and just play it cool, play, play it safe. Yeah. So that's what I did. And that's what I've been doing since, well, I stopped being a paramedic back in 2020. 2021 was the last time I, I uh, wore a uniform for paramedicine. Was that before okay. or after COVID? That was just right after COVID. January of 2021 is the last time I was actually a paramedic, played the, played the role of a paramedic. Dang, so were you, I mean, how was it being a paramedic through, like through 2020? Was it... <sighs> <laughs> this could be an entirely comp a different conversation, <laughs> but I will say this. I didn't survive the military because I talk back. When I see something wrong, I speak my mind. The military doesn't like that. They like people that fall in line 
and I, I can fall in line, but at the same time, I'm questioning things. You mm. know, I questioned a lot of what I saw in the military, what I saw in Iraq, especially. Mm. The same thing happened during COVID. I was working the uh, isolation facility here in Austin, and uh, I would speak my mind and raise my voice or raise, or speak my mind when I saw concerns. Yeah. And uh, a lot of times I was told to. Stop. This is this is what we need to be doing, and I was I was against a lot of things of what we were doing, but uh, mm. but it was a job. I felt it as I was doing a good thing for people, for others. But in the end of the day, yeah, <laughs> I would love to we, talk about that sometime. We can definitely <laughs> talk more in depth about my thoughts on COVID specifically. Let's just say I didn't always wear a mask. I was very comfortable being around COVID individuals mm -hmm. with or without a mask. And uh, I never got COVID. Hmm. And even to this day, I still haven't gotten COVID. Wow. And for the record, I don't have the, uh, the jab. Many of them. Many of them. The last time I got a jab was 2012 or 2011. And I had to do that for to be a paramedic, to, to do my clinicals on the truck. But ever yeah. since then, I haven't gotten anything. So. so was that, so 2020, but you mentioned that you had started your business, you, you made that, you made that jump. Was that like two years before that or was mm. that? Mm -mm. No. So in 2018, I was going to Freedom Church and going through some struggles because of some relationship. Uh, issues that had just happened the year prior in 2017 and in 2018 I was going through a whole different shift in mindsets that um, there was something in me from one of the services October 18th I think March not, not March sorry October 26 2018 if I recall correctly Pastor Benito gave a sermon sermon on doing what you feel you're being called to do and at the time i was dabbling with the idea of putting on a toy drive because of me benefiting from one regrettably and i say that because i don't feel like even at the time even though we were poor i didn't feel like i belonged in that, uh, to benefit from that toy drive so i hmm. was thinking you know somebody else could be sitting in my seat another child could be sitting in my seat and granted i'm eight, nine, 10 years old. I don't know how old I was. I just knew I didn't feel like I belonged in that seat. Fast forward to 2018. I was dabbling with it, gave that speech, and I made the decision that day to start uh, to do uh, my own toy drive. And that initial toy drive in 2018 is what kicked off everything else. So in 2019, I began working uh, a job, a night shift as a paramedic. And that's what made me consider if the toy drive was semi-successful, what else can I do? I had started a, an LLC back in 2013 with an ex of mine that didn't go anywhere. It was called DT label, dog tag label. We didn't do anything with it. We, we toyed with ideas. We wanted to do apparel and nothing came about. So I left it alone. 2019, I said, I'm going to revive it. I'm not with her anymore, but I'm going to revive it and I'm going to see what I can do with it. And so DT Label was officially my first 
business that I just decided to take a risk. So was and to start, where's the puppy? I was doing dog bandanas. Oh, oh really? dog bandanas. <laughs> that was cool. that was my first thing. The website's still up too, unfortunately. <laughs> it's just there, but it, it ain't doing nothing. I just had fun. I had my ba- my baby girl, and I was making her bandanas. Like, why don't I just do this for other people too? Yeah, I, yeah. I know how to measure and all that kind of stuff. So I designed a website, and DT labels what really kicked off the whole entrepreneurship. Mm. That didn't take off as much as well as I thought it would be. But then, in 2019, I was doing my second season of bodybuilding, competitive bodybuilding. And during that season, while I was trying to put together the, uh, not the toy drive, the DT label and grow it, I was prepping for competition and I was going international. I was going across uh, the U.S. to compete. And I had so many people bombarding me because of my physique was looking good Mm. for coaching. And I was like, no, go talk to this person. Go talk to that person. These are the guys that are going to take care of you. I'm not, I'm not in the right mindset yet. I know the I know the the training the nutrition I just don't want to right now but I had so many people pushing for or requesting training that by the time I finished my competition season in November of 2019 I made the decision to start my own personal training services which is Fuel and Burn now and on the cut Fuel and Burn right here <laughs> and January, February, and the beginning of March of 2020 were fantastic. I was still working as a paramedic because I had my, my main job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was getting online signups and I was getting in-person training. I would go to people's houses or their, uh, their apartment gyms and I would train them there. And everything was going great until March 20th, 2020, <laughs> where everybody yeah. decided to just quiet down, lock their doors and stay inside and listen to the government. Mm. And so (laughs) I didn't know what to do. I just basically said, I send off all my clients and I said, good luck. Here's a final meal plan. Here's a workout program. I don't know how to go about this. I'm not going to stress y'all out with having to pay me. And I'm not going to stress y'all out in saying Mm. you have to buy these foods to eat or anything like that. So good luck. That was a tough time for a lot of gym owners, especially. I mean, for everybody, obviously. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I remember a lot of gym owners closing down because, I mean, there's nothing you can do. Nothing, yeah. nothing. Uh, I know a couple of gyms. I'm a coach at Big Tech's gym. And we were trying to, and I say we, they were trying to really work with the rules that were set in place to try to abide by the rules. No more than six people, no more than ten people. I can't remember what the what the rules were exactly but they were trying their darnest to try to keep up with that and uh thankfully big tech's didn't shut down we were able to maintain a lot of memberships i maintained my membership there and we were able to coast but yeah 2020 was just a very very interesting year we could have a whole discussion on that year because so much happened (laughs) that you can go down so many rabbit holes so many conspiracies you know we have testimonies on both sides of the on the aisle yeah but it it was interesting but that was that was fuel and burn fuel and burn officially started january 2020 and as fast as it grew it collapsed Hmm. so going back to what you were saying it was it was first a toy drive in 2018, but that's why I dabbled. It was either 35 or 36 is when I actually decided to take the risk because DT label wasn't really a risk. 
because I still had my paramedic job. Mm. When I started Fuel and Burn, it wasn't really a risk because I still had my paramedic job as well. And so I was doing this online, doing the DT label. Uh, Miracles of Christmas toy drive is only once a year. So I only had to play with that for about a month and a half to two months to make that a possibility mm. and to make that happen. The real risk for entrepreneurship happened January, 2021, a year after COVID or me working with COVID roughly, because I think I worked with COVID for nine or 10 months. I left the paramedic world entirely. And so that was my cushion. That was my safe job. So I had no job. Wow. And I made the decision that I'm going to go full on with Fuel and Burn Fitness. And that's going to be my, my, my main role. I had enough money to hold me over for a couple of months, but 2021 was a very rough year because the money was just going down, <laughs> down, down. Yeah. It's like I hired a, I, I ha hired a man named Josh Job to help me initially Josh. with helping me brand uh, Fuel and Burn Fitness and uh, didn't take off still. It wasn't, it wasn't until the fall of 2021, almost uh, six months, no, it was almost like eight months, 10 months later that I finally got it, got a decent income where I was able to sustain life. The whole time, I'm trying to maintain a happy attitude, smiling, showing up for my clients and pretending like, like everything's fine and dandy. And inside I'm screaming. Mm. <laughs> it was a huge mm -hmm. risk because I didn't know if it was going to be a success. A success. In 2021, people were still too scared to uh, come out of their houses and mm -hmm. go to the gym, mm -hmm. especially a gym like Big Tech's. Mm -hmm. Go there. Everybody's there is serious about their training. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're going to get a transformation. You're going to hit a goal. And then you're going to go off into one of the three, four disciplines of bodybuilding, powerlifting, CrossFit some MMA dabble, mm. you know, so wow. very, so very, you took a big jump. That's a huge jump. Mm -hmm. wow. Yeah. And, and I don't know how to encourage anybody else to take the jump <laughs> just other than that. you just have to do it. Mm. And see, the thing is I've always, I've, I've walked away from the church numerous times throughout my lifetime. Okay. Start off uh, Catholic. I walked away from the Catholic church I've uh, gone to Christian churches, but even those I've, I've walked away from. I wasn't really, I believe in God, I love God, but I wasn't really in a relationship with God during the 2020 or 2021 year. Or shoot, on, realistically, not even 2022. Yeah. Prayers here and there, but nothing to this level mm -hmm. uh, of where I'm at today. Um, it, it was literally me just having faith in myself and hoping that mm. something comes mm. and just working at it nonstop, not giving up, pretending like everything's good and just doing what I can to make things work. At the time I, I did have a, an ex and, uh, she, and I call her an ex. Obviously she was a girlfriend then and she had a, a daughter. And so we were all living together. So it helped a little bit in the sense of other things, you know, working together to make, a uh, uh, house work but mm. as far as training all that kind of stuff that really a lot of that fell on me 
and mm. just grinding through. And I, I don't like to use that word grinding, but there's no better word. You literally just have to grind. Yeah. You have to take the risk and you have to just move forward with it. And you have to dedicate 90% of your time. Some will say a hundred. There's no way you can dedicate a hundred percent of your time. Yeah. But your social True. life does disappear. Mm. If there's drugs and alcohol involved, you have to let them go. There's no room for that. They, they really get, uh, they get distracting. Yeah. And you just have to grind and hope for the best. <laughs> <laughs> That's it, man. Mm -hmm. Jeez. All right. I think everybody looks for that, that magic piece of advice, that secret. Mm -hmm. And it's just, you got to take that jump, have imperfect action mm -hmm. and do practical things. Like you had enough money saved up for at least the jump itself, but to close the gap, you had to really put your head down. Mm -hmm. And so I think it is just, it can really be just as simple as that. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be this yeah. big complicated thing. The, the, yeah. the, the mindset is as simple as that. I have a question actually. Yes. What helped you get through like the lowest parts while you're grinding through? I know mm -hmm. entrepreneurs, they have highs and lows. So whenever you're at your lowest, what helped you keep pushing forward and not just say, all right, screw this. I'm going back to a comfortable way of living. So I'm going to give you two answers. The first answer is when I started this journey, I had my ex and I had her baby girl. And then I had my dog, my baby girl, and they were my purpose. So I had them, I had them in the back of my mind as I'm working for them. I'm doing this for them provide them a life, provide them a home, provide them food. And these are all man mindsets, you know, purpose for men. And so that's what I had to keep me going during those lows. I knew somebody was relying on me, so I wanted to make sure I did my best to provide for them. The second answer, I am currently going through one of the toughest times in my life right now mm. that's been lasting for in three days it's going to be officially one year i don't have my ex anymore i don't have her daughter anymore and i just had to put my dog down a couple of weeks ago i don't know what's keeping me going I don't have an answer there. I wake up every morning and I just do. For no other reason than God gave me a life and he keeps waking me up every single morning. And I pray that he shows me what he wants me to do for that particular day. Mm. But other than that, it's really hard. To keep going right now and i have to do that with a smile mm. that's the other thing i do say even a fake smile is still a smile <laughs> i think it was said in church today the joy uh, happiness versus joy happiness is a perishable feeling joy is always maintained but joy could you have to have joy in the good and the bad and it's just this feeling I'm trying to get there. I'm trying to get there. I have personal goals, but 
it's really hard for somebody to strive for those personal goals when when it's for themselves i don't know what it is about me or how i was raised that makes me not put myself in the center of attention because mm-hmm. i like to put others in the center of attention and work for them that's in the bible somewhere um several times and those are the same passages that i keep reading over and over to remind me that it's not about me i had a, a different pastor tell me it's, it's not about it's not always about you i don't know how to how to use that word always it's not always about me i say it's never about me because unfortunately in my experience in my 40 years it has never been about me and i have to be okay with that I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to talk about that. I don't know how to say this is how this is how you should do it. This or that and the other. Mm-hmm. I can't. I can't. There's there's no magic word there. There's no simplification there. I literally just wake up every single morning knowing this is the goal that I set for fuel and burn for my other businesses, whatever the case is, and this is what I want to try to do today. And do you, just do it. Do you feel like the amount of work that you do, because I mean, you work a ton, mm-hmm. right? So do you think that kind of helps you like stay, I guess, like clear headed or do you think that great question doesn't help? Great question. There's a lot of people that are going to relate to what I'm about to say. They're going through so much that they would rather fill their time and their brain with tasks and work so they don't have to think about what's going on in their life on Mm. the inside. Distract themselves, essentially. Distract yourself and just constantly distract. The problem with that is you're essentially bottling everything inside. Eventually, that bottle gets full and everything comes pouring out. Yeah. And that's what's been happening this past year. For a whole year, it's like it's just bottling up. Everything, oh. no, not the air. It's been the bottom, out. Oh, it's, it's been exploding. Been okay. Exploding <laughs> out, and that's a great word. Exploding, been exploding. But then you, what is the what is God's prayer? Uh, when, even when you're fasting and, and you look and you feel miserable, anoint your head, wash your face, and face face the world as if everything's good. Doesn't matter how how much you're suffering during a fast. You have to show show a good face to everybody and do what you need to do. So I'm not saying that I'm going through a fast. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not going through a fast because I'm about to compete in bodybuilding once again. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, in a couple of weeks, and I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be doing this kind of competitive prep until August of 2024. Mm. So I still got a couple of months of this specific competitive diet Mm. and then after that i'm gonna get so fat (laughs) i'm gonna be eating everything all the donuts that we had uh today at service uh all gonna be consumed yeah well and you mentioned something too about the scripture and i think that what you're doing is you're not allowing your circumstances to dictate your perspective and like in those verses that you're describing, God is saying, listen, when you're fasting and you're seeking me and you're hurting, 
don't use that as a way of pride showing that, oh, well, I'm hurting more than you or I'm sacrificing more than you. I'm right. being closer to God because I'm fasting. Like, Look at me. I'm fasting. God says, well, they'll have their reward. They have it at their attention of man. You're seeking your reward from God mm-hmm. because you're not trying to victimize or seek attention through your circumstances. And I think that's a very healthy thing to do, not just spiritually, um, but mentally and physically. It's just a healthy thing to do, even if you're not religious or spiritual or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think that's an important distinction to make, too, that you're doing. Yep, that you're absolutely correct. The second part of that, consider this, too. How many people care that you're going through some issues? <laughs> True. And we live in a very selfish world unfortunately. So it's very rare to find somebody that you can open up to fully. And to those that have that particular person, hold on to them, whether it's friends, whether it's your spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, wherever the case is, hold on to them because everybody needs that. Mm. Everybody needs that one person that they can rely on, just be extremely vulnerable with. Yeah. Because the rest of society doesn't. <laughs> you, you use the term suffer in silence earlier when we were talking this morning about how men a lot of times will have to go through these things without an outlet or a way to, to speak about it. And I'm curious like what your thoughts are in terms of how society, like specifically Western society, puts these pressures on men and causes them or pushes them towards that suffering in silence. We do it to ourselves. We do it to ourselves. There men have such big prides. Yeah. We look for How I want to say this. <laughs> we actually don't look, we look for that we want people to perceive us as superheroes, as gods, as mm. invincible. Nothing can touch us. We're all lone wolves. We can take whatever comes our way because we're strong, we're macho. Okay. So when it comes time for us to actually need that outlet, we've already pushed everybody away because like, oh, shoot, Zach's already got it. Stoic, strong. Mm-hmm. He's, got his, he's got his things together. We don't need, mm-hmm. no. Nah. Oh, you're hurting? No, that's not Zach. No, there's no way. <laughs> there's no way. So we do it to ourselves. I know I've done it to myself a lot. When I have had my issues, I don't reach out. There are a handful of people that say, oh, you can reach out whenever you want. Um, and I don't, I don't use those resources. A lot of times it's because I don't feel they're going to be able to relate to my situation. So consider this. There's churches out there that have groups for different types of folks. How many people are actually 
how many churches, how many groups are there for single men, specifically single, no kids, no nothing. There's nothing. We're a neglected group because we have pushed so hard to show our pridefulness. We're good. We don't need that. We're strong, mentally strong, physically strong. So we do it to ourselves. I don't think it's society. I think it's men, men ourselves. And I don't want to even blame our fathers because I think they had the same issues. Now, I will say with this generation in particular that has their phone in their hands 24-7, it's a lot harder than back in the day. Let's go back to at least the 80s or 90s where you had to physically drive to see another man mm-hmm. and to be relatable, whether it's a garage or bar or whatever the case is, shooting golf, shooting pool, uh, going shooting. You had to physically be there. In today's day and age, everybody just FaceTimes or texts or gets on social media or that kind of thing. you know. So the connection it has gotten a lot harder. So we're doing it to ourselves and we're not doing anything about it either. Yeah. We're just going with the flow of social media. Is it, is it that I'm curious, I'm just asking an open-ended question. Is it that we are, cause technically we're more connected than ever through social media, but is it that the type of connection that social media is or pushes creates is just much more shallow it's an illusion or yeah an illusion of connection maybe is is it that Mm -hmm. so it gives us the illusion of connection without giving us the fulfillment of actually a a deep human connection think about it this way you post a picture and you're wearing what you're wearing and you're smiling it's like long week but we're going to grind through and you get a couple of likes maybe a couple of comments you got it, tiger. Keep going. Fire emoji, fire emoji, fire emoji, you know, versus you meeting up with Zach and you, and you see each other and you say, it was a hell of a week. Yeah. Now Zach goes, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. <laughs> That's the difference. There, yeah, there's a lot of power in that. Mm-hmm. Like we talk, I mean, we talked about all the time how having that brother, like brotherly connection with someone, someone that you know just has your back and is there for you, like is going to love you no matter what. It almost it kind of gives you this freedom mm. when you go out into the world and you're putting yourself out there and trying to, you know, do whatever it is you're trying to do. You know that no matter what happens, no matter who you know, comes against you or whatever, you know, you have that brother to fall back on. Mm-hmm. And so you have that, it gives you that freedom of being who you want to be and, you know, do whatever you want to do, accomplish the things, the things you want to accomplish and be unafraid of the world and unafraid of rejection, you know, because you have, you know, at the end of the day, I can come back, sit down with Joseph and be like, dude, Mm. I'm just going through this stuff, man. Mm. And I can unload. I can unload all of that. That bottle. Yeah. Unload that. Yeah. All the way to the top. Yeah. Before it explodes. 
unloading. Yeah. Perfect, perfect. Yeah. You have to. So, so sorry, I just want to just expound on this a little bit more um, because I think what we're trying to do with the second floor experience is find a way to create a space in which that is that sort of deeper connection is easier. And so I'm curious to hear your thoughts on what are some elements of that deep connection with another, another friend, another man that, that it doesn't have to even be that, but a, a deeper connection with another human being. What are the elements of that in a space? Like what are the elements of that connection and how do, how do we create basically a way to connect that's not social media in the shallow way that we've been mm-hmm. connecting now? Are there elements that we can maybe reproduce or just maybe put in, put in an area or a space or a platform and just it's more conducive towards that deeper fulfillment versus the shallow likes and comments and stuff like mm-hmm. that? So some of the churches that I've gone into the past have that very rushed mentality of get into church, listen to the service, and then you're rushing to leave. Okay. Yeah. True. Because I got to go eat. I got to go mow the lawn, football Sunday, whatever the case is, you have other endeavors that you want to go, go attend or they're to. starting the next service or starting the next <laughs> yeah. service. Yes. Yeah. Um, there's no connection right there. So number one, I'm going to say you have to make time for it. You have to physically, literally put put yourself in a space where you know you're there for the purpose of connection. I, I love organic connections as well. We had an organic connection last week. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, but you were there hanging out after service. I approached you and we spent five minutes chatting and we had a connection or an organic connection. Yeah. But you just being there allowed it. Imagine if you had just, okay, church is over and I did. We wouldn't be here right now. Right. Okay. So we have to make time. Second part is finding common ground. Hmm. You're not going to connect with somebody you don't have common ground with. If you have more disagreements right off the bat, and um, nothing's gonna nothing's gonna come of it. So there has to be a little bit of common ground. And I guess the third is repeat. Yeah, you literally just have <laughs> to repeat it. Make make more time in the future time. Connect uh, in, in a in a fast paced world. I was always the type that never made time for anybody else because I was always working, always working, always grinding, doing what I needed to do to take care of my family, take care of exes, take care of my dog, whatever the case is. That was, that was my first issue. Mm. Mm. So, so how did you see not making the time for those deeper connections affect this past year? affect you this past year? Like, what are the fruits of those choices? Prior to this past year, I had relied solely on my ex. Mm. I had friends, I know people, that kind of thing, and, and chat from time to time over the phone. 
but never made time for them in person. I was always too busy or giving it to my family. Mm -hmm. So when I lost the family, who did I have to fall back on? Am I going to be coming back to my friends, crawling on my hands and knees, going, hey, sorry, I ignored you for the past couple of years. Can you (laughs) you come talk to me? No, because I'm too prideful. Mm. Right, yeah. Mm. I'm not going to. so true. Gosh. (laughs) It goes right back to it. It goes right back to it. Uh, So what I've had to do is... I'm not going to say suffer in silence. I... I've definitely, while I don't have somebody to pop the bottle open and just let loose on entirely, I'm not quiet about it if, you know, it's like, hey, do you have a great weekend? Nah, it's actually mm. not great. Mm. This, this, this is why. But it's okay because now we have mm-hmm. this week to mm-hmm. work on and we move forward. So I un- unload briefly the issues, but then I look forward switch it to great gratitude and look forward to, okay, let's look at this week. Let's see what we can accomplish this week or whatever the case is. It doesn't have to be about the week. It could be about a situation. It could be about uh, the events that I put. Yeah. Event didn't go as well as I anticipated it, but I have this next event and it's going to be much better because I'm going to do this, this, and this different from this one. And this is why it's going to be better. I would say, I mean, I, th- I feel like that, that's a pretty positive thing. That's very, right? like, I think that's I, very I, healthy. I think some people can get caught on the other end where it's like, all I do is unload. And there's never, there's never a, but okay, what are we going to do to solve this? You know? Women? <laughs> <I'll> say it. <laughs> <laughs> it. It's really hard. I, I'm a devil on women real quick. Um, <laughs> because guys are so very different. We are, we are based we are designed to see a problem and fix a problem whereas women just want to unload and discuss a problem and want you to feel empathy towards the problem Mm. Uh, and that's why we don't mesh Mm. we don't know how to continue to hear the same problem over and over and over without it being resolved Mm -hmm. true we can do it once maybe twice but the third time it's like girl we're going through the same patterns. Yeah. You know? Mm. I, I would say, I definitely, I do know, I've, I have met some guys that do fall into that trap. For sure. I mean, it's definitely, I mean. No, you're 100%. For, for sure, it's not, it's not like a cookie cutter or whatever. Correct. Um, but I do think it's definitely more common in guys now it's because of social media too and technology. I think it's easier. I think it's easier just for people in general to fall into that trap of looking at your phone and everything and seeing the image of of success that everyone is trying to put out, mm-hmm. and it's very easy just to compare yourself all the time to what you're seeing, but you don't know like what they're going through and their lives or anything. It's just you get caught in this trap of oh me 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 like I I can't be successful. I can't do this. I can't do that. And there's no like there's not there's no way at all that like no effort to try and figure out a better path to mm-hmm. solve the problem mm-hmm. but i i mean i think I, I might i would probably agree that it seems to be i don't know maybe a little more common with women <laughs> but <laughs> women are innate in that uh, the majority of the women 
fall into that. Uh, there, obviously, there's some women out there that are very yes, 100. You know, yeah, they, 100%. they will find the issue and fix it and plan out and, and plan of action. Yes, uh, and and vice versa, just like you said. Uh, yeah, I think naturally women are a little naturally. are a little bit more emotional. Yes, like, but that's not a bad thing. No, we, no. we are created differently. Yeah. We're, we're two yeah, completely yeah. different species. I will say the 90s hit the boys hard and and the 90s i don't think it was the 80s so much but the 90s definitely started pushing a more feminine a uh, uh, feminine product in boys and what i mean by that is boys started to become more feminine hmm. because i was a part of that okay when i was growing up and going through elementary school the amount of positivity was beyond overwhelming. I was rejecting it. I had a hard time with constantly being praised for doing a crap job, <laughs> constantly being told I'm special in my own unique way, constantly being allowed to get away with a lot of things mm -hmm. that I shouldn't have gotten away with. And so my, that generation, 90s generation, you know, of uh, uh, school-aged boys were just becoming more and more and more feminine. And now fast forward to now, we have a bunch of beta males out there, the feminine guys. So yes, you're absolutely right. There is an increase, an enormous amount of boys out there, beta men, I don't even want to call them men, that are just, all they do is act like women. Mm -hmm. And I fell into that trap too. Which is why it took me almost 15 years in my adult life to actually make that jump to take risks like I should have been doing this whole time instead of playing it safe. Because I was always told, you're, you're going to be special. You're going to do great things. You're going to do great things. You're going to do great things. I'm over here going, I haven't done anything with my life. What's going on? Is it something that's wrong with me? It was a message that kept getting pounded into my head when I was younger. And if I went through that, I can't imagine some of the other guys that, are, <laughs> yeah. th that were forced through that too. Yeah. So wow. I, I could have been somewhere different if I had this mindset or if I had somebody like me back when I was younger, pushing mm. me to be, uh, be a little bit harder on me. Mm. See, and, and I'm going to go back to what I was saying earlier about we are the reason why we are alone and we suffer alone. We want to be prideful. We want to be strong. We want to be the lone wolves. We want to be able to do everything ourselves. Why can't why can't we have this mindset towards life and success and all that other stuff? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was I just had a conversation with Joseph uh, at the coffee shop a little while ago. How that that's kind of a trap I fall into a lot of times too, where it, I find it difficult a lot of times for me to ask for help. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Especially, I was telling him, like, when I, especially when I think that I can, when I think that I can do it, I don't feel like I need to ask for help at all, really. And I, and I would almost rather not have any help, you know? But that's something where I was telling Joseph, that's like, I, I think that's one of his gifts. He's, he's very good at reaching out to people, connecting with people, networking with people, and gaining their insight, even when we might be doing a good job or we might feel like we, we have it figured out or whatever, but I'm, I've learned through him 
how much how beneficial it can be just to gain other people's insight even if you don't think you might need it but you never know like who you're going to come into contact with that might have a better solution than i do you know so and i can trace that back to my dad who taught me beautiful how to be very spiritually aware of my ego and he uh he had a really tough upbringing like similar sort of kind of similar to your story in a a sense a little bit uh in his 20s where he was just um it just was really prideful and he'll tell you that he'll tell you that and he had literally like a come to jesus time where um he has been going through like that sanctification process since then it was before he met my mom and i have benefited so greatly from his insight in that sense because he he told me he said joseph you can go and you can go do the exact same thing i did you're welcome to you're free to but just understand that that's going to come with a lot of regret and a lot of wasted time or option b you can take the wisdom from me and learn from my mistakes without ever having to experience them And you can make the most of the time that you've been given. And thankfully, I decided to do that. And I think one of those, one of the fruits of that has been, I have zero problem asking people for advice, asking their ideas, asking for help when I don't have the answer, when I'm struggling, because my dad showed me that that is actually the healthy way to go. And like, why would I torture myself with my pride and say, no, you have to do this. You have to do this yourself. If I can humble myself and maybe make a new friend doing it because they can show me how to do it and be, I would rather be empowered that way. And I'll even ask people who I don't really think is necessarily ahead of me in a certain area, but I still want to hear their perspective. And it's a lot of times in those conversations where I may come about it with a little bit of pride of like, oh, this person, I feel like I'm just objectively a little bit farther ahead in this arena, or I know a little bit more. Let me ask them anyway. It's oftentimes through just getting through my little bit of pride there that I get those gold nuggets of, wow, I did not see it that way. Oh my gosh. And I think that has really been sort of like some rocket fuel for my personal growth. And I wish that I love this conversation because I think it's going to help a lot of people hopefully realize that there is another way of, there's another way of doing things and it's okay. It's Mm -hmm. okay to ask for help. It is okay to ask for help. And you said a beautiful thing. You have your father. Mm. That is a big thing. You have your father. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. That's, that's what's missing in a lot of guys lives these days. They don't have, and it's, and you said he had his spiritual awakening. So it tells me that he's he's in line with God, mm-hmm. and that is a true man right there. It is. That yeah. is an absolute true man. Mm-hmm. There's not that many of them out there. We need to reach out to them. We need to learn from them. And just like he told you, we need to dig into their wisdom and use it, on our, uh, use it for ourselves. We need to really... There's so much there. He, he gave you the perfect explanation. You can do whatever you want, but you're going to have regrets in the future. I have regrets. I look at my 20s and my early 30s and go, why did I waste all that time spending money on strip clubs, 
alcohol and doing absolutely nothing in my life. Mm. So much wasted. All these tattoos. People ask me now, like, oh, you got great tattoos. Uh, and they, they want to have a conversation about it. I don't care about these tattoos. Over three grand, four grand, five grand worth of tattoos. I have no idea. I see it as a waste of time or a waste of money now. I have it. I'm going to keep it. It's now part of my identity mm -hmm. because I did try uh, laser removal. And it was more painful than getting a tattoo. So I said, I'm good. I'm just going to leave them on. <laughs> Not that bad. <laughs> but yes, th there can be a lot of regret. And here's the other part. I'm trying not to see it as a regret. Yeah, yeah. I see them as lessons. Everything that I'm doing, I, I have to look at it as a lesson. And if I can pass that lesson on to others... That'd be fantastic. I would love to pass those lessons on to uh, offspring of mine, but I don't have any kids. Mm -hmm. So what do I have? I have a story that I can share. One hundred percent. So going back to what um, what um, Larry was asking, what helps you uh, get through through those low periods? Right now, I don't have anything. I just wake up in the morning. I ask for God put me in the situations that you want that you feel you need me in, and that's all I can do. And eventually something happens. Something good happens every single day. Mm -hmm. And I pray on that. And I'm grateful for that. Man. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and just to, to one of your earlier points, is another thing that I realized that my dad did was he first had to humble himself to me in order to, for me to, he unlocked that door for me to even receive any wisdom at all in the first place because he could have very easily just propped up himself to me as dad, the hero, the perfect one, awesome, great. And instead he, he humbled himself and said, Hey, here's, here's some things I did that I'm not proud of. But I think so many men are afraid to do that because they think that other people will look down on them. But actually the reverse happened for me. I looked up to him more because of his humility. And it's, it's in that humility that he gave me that key to unlock the wisdom in my life that I'm now reaping from uh, several years after moving out because I'm able to take that skill with me and talk to so many other men, so many other people about and gain a, a plethora of these other perspectives and these other stories. Mm -hmm. But if he had never humbled himself inside of our family unit, that never would have been possible. And now I get to give that gift to my kids because your kids will oftentimes 80% pick up what they're modeled. So if you're a prideful father, your son and your daughter, they're gonna pick up on that. They're gonna pick up on that pride. No matter if you're saying things like humility, saying wise things, they're, gonna, they're feeling your pride. They're gonna pick up on that. And so as you were kind of going through that, that reminded me of sort of the practicality of his, his wisdom that, has given me this skill, I'd say. So that's what I want to do for my kids. Yes, yes, yes. We, uh, it's the first five years of life. The brain is just the biggest sponge ever. So a lot of what happens in your family gets engraved into your brain. And so despite you growing up and saying, I'm never going to be like my dad or girls saying, I'm never going to be like my mom. Whatever happened within those first five years is going to be engraved. 
So moving forward, you can't really do much uh, from there, but you can establish a set of skills and values as the, as you continue to grow. And then that can at least combat if there's any bad things that were kind of locked in and to produce something like yourself now that in your early 20s, you can humble yourself. You can ask for help. You can do a lot of the things that other men can't do. So mm-hmm. I think that's a beautiful thing. You had a good father. You had a good, good father. Uh, But a lot, and I bring that five five years because um, those first five years, because there's so many so many young adults and adults nowadays that are just the split image of their parents, Mm. and they don't know why they're so angry, why they're so emotional, why they're so resentful, why they're so so, what all these negative, negative, negative things. And they said, I never wanted to be like my mom, never wanted to be like my dad. It's engraved in you. You can't get away from it. Mm. So you can either engrave goodness or mm. engrave bitterness, envy, mm. jealousy. Think about all the things that you've overcome in your life that maybe you didn't get the greatest start ever, but now your testimony is not only gonna, is a blessing to like us and younger people or anybody, it's going to be a blessing to your future kids, future family, whatever, and they're going to get to your ceiling is going to be their floor in the sense of you're passing on those gifts to them saying, hey, I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to, if you want to choose to, great, but I'm not going to provide an environment where you're going to have to go through the same things I'm doing. That's going to take me 15 years to work through. And, um, I don't know if that's a good segue or not, but I wanted to talk to uh, to you. It's a beautiful mindset. Yes, uh, I will say, I would love that. Love to have a family. Love to have a wife. Love to have kids. I don't know what's in the cards because I'm going to go back to the fact that I am turning forty this year officially, and I still have had none of that. I would love it, and I have always wanted that since I was a teenager. I've wanted to be a father. Now I've reached 25, 30 years later, still empty. Mm. So at this point, God's will be God's will. I still have this knowledge. Do I hold on to it? Or do I try to help others that ask for it? Can't just go out there blind, uh, blindly and just pick like, all right, you, I'm going to help you out. Come over here. I'm going to give you all my wisdom. Somebody who doesn't want to be helped, they're not going to be helped. You can't help somebody that doesn't want to be helped. Right, yeah. But I can at least give my wisdom, my knowledge, my testimony, my experiences to those who do want to hear it, such as yourselves, and help encourage you all to do certain things and not make the same mistakes because take from everybody. That's the biggest way of getting wisdom is learning from multiple people. And I, and that's one thing I like to do too. I don't like to just stick to one person. I like to hear multiple stories and hear multiple testimonies so I can pick and grab the good stuff and what's, what can be applied to me. Because one of the hardest things to do is be relatable. I'll tell you this right now. There's very few people that can say they've gone through similar experiences as me because I've gone through some extremely traumatic experiences in my younger years, middle middle school age years. Got the military, and then you have this whole past year that's just been a cluster. Um, 
So it's really hard for me to want to seek out, uh, not seek out, but to find somebody that can relate to me that I can talk to. And, and I'm going to go back to this. I can't find that person. So what I do is I just stick to myself and I do my own thing. And then I wake up every morning. This is the task that I got to do. Nobody cares about what's going on in my life. So I'm just going to do what I need to do for my businesses, for my, for my, for myself to keep a roof over my head so I can continue going down this path that I don't know if God put it in front of me, but I'm here. This is what I know what, what I'm doing. This is what I know I'm good at. And I pray that I pr I'm praising him and glorifying him in some way, shape or form. Mm. And that's all I can do right now. But in the process, if there's somebody that wants to wants help or needs help or has been put in my path to, to provide some sort of resource, Financially, emotionally, um, spiritually, I'm there. How did you deal with the pressures that society and culture puts on people to reach certain milestones in their lives? You got to be married by this time. You got to have a house by this time. You got to have kids by this time. What was that like for you? And, and how are you, what would be your advice to other young people that may be feeling those pressures? <laughs> it's, it's a very interesting pressure because it's not necessarily society that puts that pressure on specifically for women they are pressured biologically okay they do have a time clock right if a man wants to have children it's going to be very difficult to commit to somebody who's 35 45 50 years old okay mm -hmm. So women have more of a societal pressure, biological societal pressure to reach certain marks in their life more than men. It's really hard because women are also being told that they need to be independent. They need to work as hard as men. They need to earn as hard as men. They need to be men, basically. So I feel I feel bad for women more than 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 men because they do have a biological. I will tell you this right now. Uh, when it comes to dating, it's really hard for me to look at a 35, 30, 35 year old and say, ah, I can be happy with you because I want to have kids. Mm -hmm. I never felt the pressure of having to reach certain milestones at certain ages be married by 25, 30 years old, have a house by 30, 35 years old, have grandchildren by the time you're 50, 55, because that's not going to happen for me, realistically. I never felt the pressure at all. I, had, I, I wouldn't even say I had the pressure for myself. I always wanted to have kids. Hmm. Always. I was, a, I was a young... So I was born and raised here in Houston, Texas. My whole family is in Monterrey. My family in Mexico is huge. I have tons and tons of cousins. Okay. And I am one of the oldest. I think I have two cousins and then my sister are older than me. And then, and then it's me and then everybody else. There's about, just to throw a number out there, I want to say there's about 20 cousins, including my sisters, below me. 
So I'm at the top. So I raised a lot of those cousins. So in raising them, I was like, oh, this is fun. I like this. I enjoy teaching them. I enjoy watching them walk, watching, helping them talk, doing all this kind of stuff. So even when I was a kid, I knew I wanted to have kids. And my teenagers, I knew I wanted to get married. So I put those pressures on myself, regardless of what society was saying. Even with society saying you had to have a house, you have to have this, you have to have a good job. None of that really mattered to me. What mattered more, or what, not what mattered more, what influenced me more was my mother telling me that I needed to get a safe job, a secure job. And so that's why I chose the route of military. That's why I chose the route of paramedicine because those were safe jobs. Mm. And she was always telling me, you have to do this. You have to do this just to make sure you have money always coming in. Mm. And, um, and that's, that was my biggest influence. Society's pressure. It, 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 it's hard to ignore those because it's so engraved into the American culture. There, it, everybody's on a different timeline. What matters most in your particular timeline, regardless of what society wants, is your parents. Were they godly parents? And if they weren't godly parents, were they stable parents? If they weren't stable parents, were they present parents? And then the list goes on and on from there. If you can at least have parents that are present, you got a pretty decent shot at being a good adult. If you have stable parents, you have a really good shot at being a stable adult and probably get a good relationship. If you have godly parents, you have the highest chance for marriage success, children's success, financial success, career success. Because ultimately, going back to scripture, you're not working for yourself. You're working for God. Everything you do is for God. Mm. And then it goes downward. And then your family gets taken care of and it gets blessed. And then it goes downward. And then church gets blessed. And then it goes downward. And then everybody else, the community gets blessed. But then after present parents, you run into emotionally unstable parents that are there, but they're drugs, they're on drugs, or then you go into single parenthood and, and it's really hard in that aspect. Mm. So do you feel like, like, what would you say, how, like how close are you with your parents? I love my parents, mm -hmm. love them to death. Absolutely. Very, very close. They don't have as much of an influence on me anymore because I realized what they were pushing me to do didn't didn't work for me in the mm. end oh you you grew up catholic you said right correct yeah okay. yeah up until mm. probably my early teens is probably when i started going stopped going to church were they pretty involved with my mom catholic was, church? okay my mom was yeah mm. my dad not so much mm. he he went to church i believe if i remember i don't remember much um but uh but yeah, my mom still goes to church. She converted to Christianity. And uh, and so that's what she does now. Mm. But no, parent, uh, relationship with parents is one thing, but uh, how they how they raised you and what their influence was is, is really what's going to set you up as an adult. Mm. So I go back to you. Your father set you up uh, in, in a great way. We didn't talk about you. Talk, talk to us about uh, how your parents... My parents? Yeah, and specifically your father. Yeah, well, my dad, I would probably say, I, I mean, I have like the utmost respect for my dad. He probably, 
he probably is the best example of Christ's love I've ever witnessed, like in person. I would say, I, I mean, I can I talk my dad about my dad all, all, all day. Like he just, I've never met somebody who has the amount of patience that he has, and the really just like gentleness that he has with people. Like he, he's always been a big dude. He's always been. Uh, you know, he's, he's a strong, like he's, he's a man's man and he can, he do all like the mechanic work he do, he can do. He has so many, he's very intelligent, a lot of, a lot of gifts. Um, but he's like the most humble person I've ever met in my life. And so, you know, and me growing up, we talked about this, uh, a couple episodes ago. Um, you know, I was, I, I was just a very, like, as a kid, I was pretty crazy. I was, I got spanked more than anyone else in my family, <laughs> So, but my parents were really great in, I don't know, just letting me be a kid and keeping, keeping us away, like limiting us to our, to the technology usage and all that stuff. And as a kid, like I, you know, I hated having all those disciplines and everything, but they really did, did an awesome job of setting me up for success. And I think, and, and you're so right, like people don't realize how how um like how much of a blessing it is to have good parents in your life to raise you in a way that sets you up for success that that can be the uh how'd you say it like in in a way that their ceiling can be your floor you know Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. so yeah i mean my dad dude he's He's a dude. He's a man. <laughs> he's a man. Yeah. yeah, he's a man. Yeah, and my mom too. I love my mom. Like they're they're very relational people. They're super very. They've always been very hospitable. Always allowing people into the house. Like that's just how we've always been. Um, yeah. So having having them, uh, and, you know, they're not they're not super wealthy. They're not you know they're just they're just good people. Mm. solid people um that you just you can just always rely on you know they'll always be there for you so Mm. yeah i mean yeah you know i i think i told you my parents are my whole family is in orlando florida yes so yeah it's hard for me to be away from them sometimes because i love them (laughs) so much but yeah yeah so I, i consider myself very fortunate um to be their son that's beautiful. Yeah. That's what a mom. Way, that, yeah. that, what a way to end it. Yeah. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. No, so I'm actually going to be competing in Orlando, Florida in the in the summer. So oh no way. Yeah. Okay. It's going to be one of my shows. I'll be going down there and uh, stripping down to my posing trunks <laughs> and, and and doing my thing up there. Heck Is it yeah. a, like a convention center or? Oh, I, I I honestly don't remember. See, I'm really bad when it comes to. Things that I do for me, mm-hmm. okay? For instance, when we talked about doing this podcast and that we were going to do it today, I barely got the address from you right as I was leaving, <laughs> okay? So I'm very last minute when it comes to things dealing with my own life. So I should know where this competition is. I know the city. I don't know what, what the location is going to be, if it's going to be in a hotel again, uh, but that's going to be one of my one of my eight proposed eight competitions for this year. It's going to be in Florida. 
And then I have one in Georgia coming up in six weeks. That'll be my first show. And then I'm going to be competing in Houston in the second second or third week of April. And then I have a couple of international shows that I'm trying to oh, really? trying to go to as well. Yes, yes. And then um and then finish in in England would be nice. That's where I really, really mm. want to finish. And then be done in, at the end of August. Eat a bunch of donuts. <laughs> a pizza. Actually, I don't know. The main thing that I'm craving though, craving is burgers. Oh, really? And I think it's because of the amount of fat that's in it. <laughs> my fat content has been going down, down, down. So, is it a, mm. is it just by coincidence that we have the Arnold Schwarzenegger book behind <laughs> you right there? Or, you see that giant book? So, so actually, that's funny. <laughs> that's a great point. Uh, the competitions that I am doing are natural bodybuilding. So, in okay, natural okay. bodybuilding, there is some some organizations, federations do polygraph testing and they all do your analysis at minimum and then some of the extreme ones go as far as doing blood work Dang, uh, but that's cow. that's pricey so i am a natural athlete i have been natural i i don't know how it was that at age 13 14 15 looking at the magazines because we didn't have social media back then we had magazines and I can't, I'm not even going to try to lie to you which ones were, were it back then, but I would get these magazines and I would look at these big old guys like Arnold and Lou Ferrigno and I forget his uh, the other guy's name, Larry, well, I forget he, he was, he never was never an Olympian champion, but mm -hmm. I would see these big old muscles on him and I would think to myself, I was like, I, I will never look like that because I don't ever want to touch the juice. <laughs> never want to touch yeah. the juice and i knew that at a, at a young age and even growing up it wasn't as prevalent as it is now the usage of uh peds performance enhancing mm -hmm. drugs mm -hmm. but uh teenagers now are touching that stuff it was it would happen back then but now it's just so much more maybe maybe it's the same but now you can see it more on t on social media but but going back to it, I don't touch it, not even TRT, testosterone replacement therapy, no, no form of hormone replacement therapy. So all these events that I'm, that I'm doing are all natural shows, except for one. Actually, I lied. There's one that I'm doing that they don't do any testing. Not saying that like right before I jab myself, <laughs> but uh, there is a competition that I am going to be doing in Mexico in May. And that one is a non-tested event. Okay, but it's, is it like expected that everyone's natural there? No, or? no, oh, okay. Oh no, okay. no, there is going to be enhanced. Okay. <laughs> the majority. Yeah, okay. they, uh, the promoter is saying that he would like to put on a couple of divisions for natural athletes yeah, okay, specifically. Okay. Mm -hmm. But uh, as of right now, no, that's that organization is all they, mm. they don't care. I don't want to say that they don't care. They really don't. But. <laughs> It costs money to, to put on these natural events. Yeah, that makes sense. The, the, the yeah. drug testing takes, it, it costs a shiny penny. So we have to be mindful of that, mm. uh, which is, I'm going to go back to this. I'm going to go back in time. We were talking about fuel and burn 2020. COVID happened 2021. I broke away in January and it took me a while to get this launched. In 2020, I had I'd finished my bodybuilding season. And I was approached by the promoters and directors of the organization that I competed in about putting on my own bodybuilding show. 
And I had always dabbled in the idea to the point where even before, and this is part, this is a key point in those that are interested in entrepreneurship. I would go to these events, take my notebook with me, and I would just sit there in the crowd and I would look at everything and take notes of the entire event, the good, the bad, and the ugly, how I can make things better, what I don't want to add to my event. And I would take those notes, put it away, and then go to the next event. And I'd sit there and I'd look around and just write, 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 write. So I did that for the entire year of 2019 while I was competing and I was still going to other bodybuilding events because for some reason, it, it's something in me, I had already done the toy drive in 2018 and I knew this was something that I wanted to dabble with. 2020, they approached me, do you want to do a show? I thought about it, thought about it, thought about it. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to do it. And very appropriately, my first show in 2021 was called Genesis. <laughs> so in 20, uh, not in 2020, 2021, Genesis. So while I had money saved up to try to venture off for myself, 80% of that went to Genesis. I invested so much into that show, into that event, and it cost me a lot of money because I wanted to make sure that there was nothing missing. Everybody had trophies, everybody had medals, we had the music, we had the lighting, we had everything that we needed for that event to make it a success. And so majority of 2021 was a struggle because despite me having some money left over, all that went to the show. Mm -hmm. And it was such a success that I had to take whatever money I had left over and start promoting for the next year, <laughs> for 2022, and put on, put on Genesis again. So in, Shameless plug, April 6, 2024, we have the fourth annual Genesis event here in Austin, Texas. Okay. And it's going to be the biggest one yet. It's going to be the biggest one yet. Uh, entrepreneurship has been extremely difficult. There is no simplification. You have to keep pushing through. You have to keep pushing through. Even when you think you're about to run out of money, if, you, if you're working hard enough, you have the faith, Something will happen. It'll turn around. You'll get enough money to just keep on going. It is so mind-numbing. It is extremely stressful. You have to have extreme grit mm. to survive entrepreneurship mm. because there's so many times where I've wanted to just throw in the towel. So 2021, I put on my first bodybuilding show. 2022, I decide to uh, be crazy and put on two bodybuilding shows, including a world championship. Now the world championship event that we, uh, that me and my partners put on, they, they've been pr promoting for years and years and years. They had so much knowledge and wisdom on, on events that I was like, why are you looking at me to want to partner up with? I'm just, I just did one show and I've only been in bodybuilding at that point for two years. Mm -hmm. But they trusted me enough and we put on an extremely successful world championship for our first time, first year. It was an absolute success. Wow. That was 2022, at the end of 2022. We were already on shaky grounds with that same organization that I was a part of. That by the end of that year, me and my partners had already individually Going back to our pridefulness, <laughs> we create our own pride, right? We finished that year 
And in December, we sat down. We had we had such a shaky year, and there were so many things that were just we weren't happy with. And I'm again, I told you, I'm the type that likes to speak out against things I don't like. Mm -hmm. And it was really hard to speak out against the thing. I, I pushed back, and it was like, nope, nope, this is the way we're doing things. So me and my partners got together December twenty twenty two, twenty twenty two, and they asked me, I was like. We were just discussing uh, as I approached the table. They, they, they tell me so we, we were just uh, we were just talking about uh, our future with the organization. And I sat down, and here's the bottle that I had bottled everything inside, everything let out. And I said, "I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I'm done." And on that day, I created my fourth business. We decided to separate and start our own federation of natural bodybuilding and only natural bodybuilding and so everything we'd worked for for them past couple years me just the past two years we had to start all over mm. and we created our own federation which was last year and it was a very rocky year but we ended really nicely we had six shows all in texas and despite so many people not believing in us in 2024, we have the same shows in Texas, plus one or two. We found a director for Alabama, Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Missouri. So now we're at, we're in Jeez. six different states. Yeah, we found a connection in Florida. So now we have divisions in a seventh state. And on top of that, we were approached to be the only U.S. federation to be a part of a worldwide coalition of natural bodybuilding no way. organization federations. And so now we are not only in one year, not only do we expand to uh, six other states, we expanded globally. Gosh. Holy cow. In one year. What all, what wow. is it like what all goes into opening up your own federation? Like I. Like you say that, and it's just like I don't even know. <laughs> oh, so much! If you can make like you know, just like brief details, brief details uh, to start your own variation. Honestly, you have to have a foundation. The nice thing is we had a foundation already. Uh, when as we in started like a foundation, as in like a shows, a shows. Okay, okay, we already had established shows, and so that was our foundation. Okay, I wouldn't know how somebody would start it from scratch. Because even the organization that we were a part of, they started from scratch many years back. Mm -hmm. They had a foundation of, they, they were already known within the bodybuilding community. So when they split up, they were already able to tap into that community and say, hey, come on over. Mm -hmm. So we had that and we had our shows. So that's how we were able to at least get our own federation started. Okay. Mm. And then determination, the fact that we had each other and we were all on board with the vision okay. of us taking over the world. I guess a federation, <laughs> can you, like, could you compare that to like a conference, like NCAA for like sports, like the difference between like NCAA and like NAIA or 
something like that. Or those are college, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And each one has their own group of teams that yeah, come in and compete. Yeah, like championships, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. okay. I would compare it to that. Okay, yes. okay. Yeah, I would compare it to that. So, yeah. for instance, with the coalition, Onyx Naturals, we have our shows where the competitors have to pay for our memberships to compete in our specific shows. But our competitors can also compete in the coalition, which are other federations in other countries, and they can go and keep, compete with them. And then we can all get together for a one true world championship containing everybody, all the, uh, all the athletes from all over the world. Dude, that is, that's wow. sick. And so do you, do you compete in your own? No. Uh, okay. Okay. It'd be unfair. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. The president standing is standing in his, in his posing trunks and taking first place. Like, come on, guys. So no, I'll be competing at other uh, natural yeah, federations okay, okay. organizations, and and that's what that's the whole point is. I want to go out there and basically speak about our federation among other federations. Yeah, okay. you know, So people know we're not going anywhere. We that's cool. we put so much blood, sweat, and tears, oh, buckets of tears, into this into this goal, into this vision that. No, this is not. We're 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 gonna make this work. Yeah. So yes, wow. I have Onyx Entertainment, Onyx Naturals, Fuel and Burn Fitness, DT Label, and um, yeah, and then yeah. The, and then the and then the five hundred one c three that I'm hoping to for it to get finalized. So the toy drive that I have been doing uh, this year is gonna be the fifth year that I put it on because I didn't do it in twenty 2020 twenty or twenty twenty one COVID. So I finally filed for a five hundred one c three. And hoping that it, that gets approved because other than the previous years, I, it's been dished out of my own pockets. The past two years, there is an influencer online by the name of Goob that has been able to help out within his community to raise money for the toy drive. And that's been a huge success. Mm. Um, the, the last, the 2023 year miracles of Christmas toy drive was the absolute biggest success that, that we've had. And I say we as in the name because it's me. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's me. Yeah. But I can't do it by myself. I have to get a group of volunteers that are willing to provide their time to put on this toy drive. And just to give you an idea of what the toy drive looks like, uh, there is a video on my social media account so you can kind of see it. And it clear, paints a clear picture of the toy drive. Uh, kids come in. They're able to select whatever toy they want from the toy section that get donated. I do have a Santa Claus. And so they're able to go sit on Santa's lab and tell them what they want for Christmas. I have two tables with smaller little trinket toys and books and little games yeah, that they yeah. can also get on top of the bigger toys that they can, they can uh, select from. And there's also bowling games. There's uh, throwing games, uh, just basically little fun little games that they can play as well, that they can win prizes, but everybody yeah. wins. I actually invested in two bouncy houses as well. So I had that at the, uh, at the venue and a little area where they can color and write letters to Santa and just decorate some stuff. So it was a big old, it's not just a toy drive where I go out and give toys to families because I'm not about to drive to 50 yeah. homes True. on my own dime. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm yeah. sorry, I just can't do it, you know? Yeah. I'd rather them, I host, yeah. a, I have a venue, host an event, and the families come to me, and we make it a fun event for the kids. Because there's some kids that end up wanting to stay there for at least an hour, hour and a half. 
just having fun, yeah. just doing it because yeah, there's that yeah. many activities. Uh, wow. So this coming year, if it's a 501c3, I'll be able to get bigger donations and make it that much of a bigger event. Mm. That'd be you awesome, know? dude. Now, okay. everything that I'm talking about, the personal training, the event planning, the owning the federation, putting on these charity events. I also am the, the uh, medical liaison for the Melee Fighting League MMA fighting championship here in Austin. What the so heck? So I deal with uh, the fighters there and making sure that they have their their records and their medicals taken care of as really? well. Really? Huh. So on top of everything I just talked about, it's really hard to date. <laughs> I was gonna ask you, like, how do you have time to even meet anybody, and how like how has the the dating culture changed since like as you've been in Austin? As social media has emerged and everything. So, social media has definitely changed the dating culture. And, and I bring that up. It's un, it's funny because um, <laughs> people ask me like, oh my God, you're so successful. You got this, that, and the other. You, you got everything going on for you. And, and you look young and you're healthy and you're fit and you're, and you, and you, and you try to eat clean and, and this. I'm like, it's a different world now. It is an absolutely different one. I keep myself busy. So I, I don't really make time. Uh, I recently just started opening up Sundays to just be God's day and only do things I can do uh, for him. So multiple church services, reading the Bible. I don't know where to go to meet women. <laughs> I don't know. I don't yeah. want to go to bars anymore. I know what happens there. I That's where I had my fun. Okay. <laughs> to be honest, but there's no, there's no wife material in bars let's be real mm -hmm. they're not there to be wives they're there to have fun mm. clubbing even worse <laughs> it's it's absolutely they're, they're they're there for just a one night yeah fun and that's a, definitely no wives not even girlfriends i don't yeah. think you can find girlfriends at clubs um <laughs> i will say church is just as hard <laughs> I, yeah i would agree because of that mindset of you go in you listen to the word and and depending on their age and depending on the maturity level they're just like i'm ready to get on my phone post on social media god's day peace whatever <laughs> you know but get out yep, and go on out. with the rest of the life yeah. you know go yep. to a coffee shop or whatever the case or go go to get mimosas whatever girls do on sundays um so and even it, church is as hard as yeah and even on top of that like church and like christianity as a whole on top of the social pressures that as a whole another element to the dating world that can that can be pretty uh, mm -hmm. i would i would say annoying well like when i was <laughs> yeah, growing up we had a, we would have like lunches after church we'd have potlucks after church like once a month once every two months whatever and they put the football game up on like the projectors and we would, everyone would bring food and then you would have like two hours or longer after church to fellowship, eat with people, hang out. The kids were playing on the playground, all this stuff. Like, yes, our, our church should have growing up a, a big enough space for that. Sure. But I just found that that was where I connected with a lot of my friends, even when I was growing up and I could see as a single guy that would be your time to connect with the honey you saw in service and be like, Hey, can I sit with you or whatever? Mm -hmm. uh, or I don't know, just make, make other friends, like meet other, meet other dudes, whatever. But I, I rarely ever see churches doing that anymore. 
Because we only had one service. That was, that's what, that was the thing. Well, one thing, and I've already discussed it with y'all outside of this, I'm the type that likes to make things happen. So I'm going to make it happen. One. Two, to address your, your, your statement about the, uh, the Christianity brings on an entirely different element. It brings on a fake element mm. because I don't consider myself a Christian. I find it really hard and I struggle each and every single day with what it actually takes to be a Christian. I'm not there yet. I don't see myself there yet. I'm trying. I am every single day I'm struggling, but every single day I struggle with sin as well. It's a constant battle. It never ends. It is so easy to throw out the word, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, and that's what I see across the board. I go to two churches and I see that across the board. And I look at it and I'm like, I can't judge. I don't know what's going on in your life. But... What I see, what you claim to be versus what you do, I don't want to say it's not Christian-like because it's really hard not to judge, but I'm just like, it's not lining up. It's not lining up. So it throws a, an awkward wrench in the dating world when it comes to Christianity. Because I think in the back of their heads, both men and women, they want to be Christians but the flesh speaks louder still and then they break through and don't do what they're supposed to be doing. But they will only do it to the wrong people. They will never do it to the right people. And what I mean by that is they will break their Christianity for the wrong people because it's okay. They're not Christian. They're not this, whatever the case is. It's not, it doesn't count. I'm sure you hear that a lot from women. It doesn't count. But for the right man, somebody that could be a good person, a good value for in their lives. Oh, they're going to hold back. They're going to, no, 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 you're not sleeping with me. You're not doing this. I'm not going to give you, I'm not a virgin, but you don't get any of this. You know, Hmm. I'm going to put you through the trenches and you have to, you have to do A, B, C, D, and E. Everything perfectly before I even consider being anything serious with you. Hmm. But this other guy, no, no, that doesn't count. I was just playing. So it, it, it's really hard to even consider dating a Christian girl, a Christian woman. <laughs> okay, well, okay, you said, I want to come back to that. Mm-hmm. But you said you consider, like, you wouldn't consider yourself a Christian um, because you don't feel like you meet the requirements to be a to not, be Christian? Not necessarily or? the requirements, because what are the requirements to be a Christian? There is a certain mindset, a certain life, certain values uh, that you should be working to uphold at all times. Mm-hmm. And I know for a fact there's some that I don't want to let go of. Okay. Mm. I personally am making that choice, knowing full well this goes against what God wants. Mm. Or what he's asking, what he's not, not even asking. No, he doesn't ask. He's this is this is what you need to do. Mm-hmm. This is what you need to. It's mm-hmm. not enough just to say I believe uh, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and he rose three days later after he was crucified. Mm-hmm. It's not enough. 
once you make that statement you truly believe it yes mm -hmm. but then after that the real work of christianity begins mm. and it is a long hard painful road that nobody talks about well and i respect what you're saying because what, what i'm hearing you say is i'm reading my bible i'm praying i'm seeking god i'm seeking jesus and the things that the bible are commanding me to do yet i understand in myself and in my flesh there are things that i am simply not willing to give up yet but i'm i'm in the arena searching trying to give those things up so i'm not willing to commit myself fully to christ yet because i know that i'm going to have to give those things up and those that's going to have to die mm -hmm. and so you're, yeah. you're like you're actively working through that and i respect that. if that's true if that's what mm -hmm. it, i'm hearing you say mm -hmm. i respect that so much because there's so many people out there that won't be honest honest enough to say Listen, the, to say exactly what you're saying, like, I don't want to commit yet. They would rather say, oh, sure, I'm a Christian, but they're not actually following Christ, which is what you've been explaining. And so I think that's awesome. I, I think that's awesome that you're willing to sort of, I don't even know the words for it, but I think that's really rare, man. That's really rare that people will say, uh, what you're like they'll say what you're saying mm -hmm. well it is not many people i find it interesting it. because you like within the last three or so months you're probably the third person i've heard say something like along those lines where yeah i'm i'm pursuing jesus and like this relationship with god and everything but um i i guess they don't they kind of are deterred from identifying themselves as a christian yes. or like that like okay. label yeah because of like all the I guess mm. social, like um, preconceived notions, whatever that so let that me, come with it. But let, yeah, let me say this: um, I don't consider myself a Christian. I do consider myself a disciple of Christ, mm. Mm -hmm. and I need to correct myself because it's not that I'm not willing to let go of these things. I'm willing to let go. I'm struggling because. I'm struggling with faith specifically. Mm. And so when I lose faith, I fall back into the sin because it's a comfort. I don't know how to continue to struggle because it's, it's overwhelming and it has been overwhelming for the past year. Yeah. Just one thing after another, uh, my ex walking out on me, mm -hmm. losing her little girl mm. because I'll say this, I never ever want to date a single mom ever again mm. because losing a girlfriend or a fiance, which I have in the past, that's hard in and of itself. I can get over that. I'm still not over losing that, that her daughter because I invested so much time, energy, and love to that little girl. She became my daughter and mm. it was just taken away like that. Mm. And I have no say in it. We were never married. I had no say in it. Wow. So I lost that. My house flooded. Had nowhere to live. I was homeless for about uh, two months. Wow. And I was staying on the... Uh, uh, my, a buddy of mine let me stay at his house, thankfully, and grateful for him. But I was sleeping on the floor on, on my mattress. Mm -hmm. That was my life. Um, just nonstop, nonstop. Yeah. Fast forward to a couple of weeks, I had to put my 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 dog down mm. after 13 years. 
So it's just been a, one roller coaster after another after another. And and this week, people were asking me, "How is this? How how was your week? How was your week?" Wasn't good. Wasn't good. Mm-hmm. Still grind. Still continue to work. Still show up. Still do what I needed to get done. But it is really hard to maintain the faith. I don't know how to do it. I resonate with the with the story of Job so much because I just I, I have to keep reading that one over and over. It's like he lost everything. He didn't just lose a, a stepchild of his. He lost all seven kids the yeah. first time around. All his sons and daughters yeah. just in mm-hmm. one in one collapse. And they were having the time of their lives. Um, Here's my question. Mm-hmm. When you use the term Christian, are you, def- in your head, are you defining it more as the sort of the hypocritical people you've met in church who say one thing and do the other? Or do you mean Christian as a Christ follower? Because I think a lot of times, like what Zach's saying, there's, uh, there's a growing number of people who are associating the word Christian with hypocrite. Mm-hmm. And they choose instead to use a phrase like, I'm just a follower of Christ, mm-hmm. because that's a more clear cut definition of what they're really doing they're following christ they're not subscribing to the christian culture it seems like i like you're that. making that I like distinction that. uh no i have no problem with the uh, with the hypocrites of uh the, the christian hypocrites because it's almost like we're we all are christian right hypocrites. yeah for sure sure yeah. We, are, we all yeah. are part of that uh no Everyone i was falls I, short yeah, yeah. Er, er, and that's that's where we're all, we know that everybody falls short um no, I have no problem with that. I just, uh, I would love to use a label of uh, being a Christian. I just don't feel that, that that's appropriate for me. But if I say I'm working, I'm a disciple, I'm trying to learn and get into that mm. mindset. Because the way you describe your fathers, that's how I want to be. Your fathers are Christians by definition they are they do everything i'm not gonna say everything right but for the most part they have done a lot of good okay i'm not there yet mm. i'm not a good person <laughs> um do you feel like you have to be a good person to accept christ as your savior like do you feel like you need to work to be this good person before you can accept christ no Okay. No, you can absolutely accept Christ before you're a good person. I'm just asking yeah. you. Yeah. No, no, no. And, and even for me, I've already accepted Christ. I've accepted Christ many years ago, even before. I've never taken on the title of Christianity because I knew I wasn't a Christian. I was doing things against uh, what it says in the Bible. Mm-hmm. What's the word? Purposely, knowingly. Yeah. Knowingly going against what it mm. says to be in the Bible. And so that's the difference. So now... I'm fighting to have the faith. I'm working, I'm reading, I'm praying to have the faith full-fledged. And now when I knowingly fall, I'm not falling because I'm just saying, it's only this, it's only that. You know, it's okay. I'm not, I'm not doing anything terrible. No, I'm falling because of the suffrage. That I'm, I, I just don't know how else to deal with, cope with the situation at the time. So that's yeah. when I fall. Mm. And and before I would regret, I wouldn't regret it. Mm. I would just knowingly and willingly do it. Now I regret it. I do regret doing mm. the sin 
You're convicted. I'm convicted and, and I repent and I ask for forgiveness before I didn't ask for forgiveness. So there's a difference between back then and now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So no, you, I don't, I, I've never believed that you have to be perfect in order to accept Christ by no means, mm -hmm. but to claim the role of, a, of, a, of Christian, being a Christian, I think you should have a little, I should have a little better control of my, my flesh than I do now. Hmm. Just a little bit, hmm. just a little bit. And there's been times when I've done really, really great. And then something happens and I fall. And then I go so, back okay, to being my question great. then would be who, who in the world could you consider Christian then by Sorry. that, by those terms? Starting with your fathers. I consider you two Christians. But I can say, the, I, the behavior you're describing mm -hmm. is what exactly what I relate with. <laughs> yes. Yeah, 100%. I think you're holding yourself to a higher standard than what Jesus is asking of you. All Jesus yeah. asks is for you to bring yourself. Mm -hmm. He's not asking you to bring your good works. He's not asking you to cleanse yourself before, he before you come to him. 100%. He's saying, I'm ready. He's saying, I already did that for you. And the fact, just the fact that you are convicted when you do mess up, to me yeah, shows... That, there's the heart change. It shows that you've yeah. already been transformed. Mm -hmm. So what you're experiencing right now is sanctification. You're falling and you're dealing with habits of sin, which everyone has. And you may say, well, some people have it less than this and that, but it's hard to know. It's That's hard to right. know. I think you're just more truthful yeah. about it than yeah, other people. Yeah. So it seems like you're dealing with more. Yeah. It also doesn't matter. That, yeah. That's the whole point of... Jesus's grace is that the man who commits the man that breaks one law is just as guilty as the man who breaks all the laws. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I, you're, I'm listening, I'm sitting here like listening to you say all this stuff and I'm just like, dang, like I'm, I'm, I feel the same. I have the same feeling. I'm just, I'm you know, just I, as guilty. Yeah. I'm just as guilty, but yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I guess I, I would I would consider myself a follower of Christ, a disciple of Christ, and I guess I, I've, I've called myself a Christian. But yeah, I don't know. It's, I would I would venture as far to say this in just the short time we've known each other. Mm -hmm. It is the human fleshly need. It is the human desire to cleanse ourselves before we come into holiness that keeps us from being in a relationship with God. And God, Jesus is saying, I want to give you my righteousness. So instead of us having to come forth and make ourselves righteous before we enter his presence, we now receive, we're now into that grace. And it's not cheap grace. Mm -hmm. You're not describing cheap grace. You are describing the deep, bottomless pit of God's grace. And you're saying, wow, I'm not enough. I'm not enough, but God. But Jesus, who sacrificed himself, because of that, I can count myself worthy. I can count myself as a holy priesthood, a royal nation, a people for his possession, is what the Bible says. And that's the that is the beautiful thing about Christianity, is your testimony is, guess what? I still fall short and, or but, mm -hmm. I'm now under this beautiful constitution of grace. By which I don't say, oh, I don't regret the sin I just did. No, I grieve it. I grieve it because it, it reminds me how unholy I really am and how much of 
a need in Jesus I truly have. That's why he said, you must crucify yourself daily and pick up my cross because it's not a one-time event. You are saved, like you are under that salvation, which is what we believe, and and it's also a daily discipline. So all you're describing, mm-hmm. I believe, from just a short time I've heard you speak, is the daily struggle of sanctification. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. It, That's it, what I'm hearing. Yeah, it reminds I'm, me a lot of what Paul says. Uh, I forget where exactly in the Bible, but it talks about how like, you know, I'm, I hate that I do the things that I don't want to do. Yeah. And he, he wrestles yeah. with that. This mm-hmm. is Paul, you mm-hmm. know, like the, one of the greatest voices in all of Christianity, you know? So I, uh, yeah, it's, it's, yep. uh, it's really interesting. It's interesting for us to hear you say that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And now I'm going to finish with this because you said you hit it on the nail of why I'm struggling so much and stay away from the, the term Christian and, and why I don't feel there despite everything that i'm working towards i do not cannot feel worthy Mm. that's real man that's so real that is so freaking real (laughs) that's it yeah you know what like i think a lot of it goes back to what you're talking about is our inner pride i think it, you have to humble yourself to be able to accept Christ's grace and his mercy. Because I think that's a lot of times the trap I fall into when I fall into sin or whatever. I'm, you know, I beat myself down. I'm like, dude, like, why can't I just do things right? Mm. Like, why do I constantly fall into this thing over and over again, right? And in a way, I'm like almost punishing myself because I feel like it's what I deserve but I have to, that's never going to help anything because it's almost like I am trying to correct my, I guess, righteousness, whatever, like on my own strength. Instead, I have to just accept, okay, like I've messed up and obviously I'm not going to, I'm going to keep trying. I'm not going to just be, be okay with the fact that I've fallen, but it's the change of mentality where, okay, I'm just going I can just accept that Christ loves me despite my failures and live in that freedom. And that, I mean, it's not easy to do. That's a daily it's, struggle for me. Yeah, it's, it's daily. Same. Sometimes like hourly. hourly. It feels like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll say this. This is why I, uh, I wear the cross on my hand now because my constant, not even daily reminder, just constant reminder. Mm that I'm trying. Mm. Mm. I feel like this is something I've been thinking about over the past few months, but this whole thing, you know, you're talking about entrepreneurship and this, uh, this mindset you have to have to make it in entrepreneurship, that grit, just keep going. Uh, even when you feel like everything is just, you know, going south and there's nothing you can do about it. I've been thinking a because I mean, I've you know, I've I've listened to other entrepreneurs, people who have been really successful, and they say a, a lot of those things. Um, and I've just been kind of pondering this idea of, dang, like, what if Christians, I, you know, me included, what if we could take that mindset and apply it to our faith? You know, like hmm. that 
because the faith is not an easy journey. The, like, being a disciple of Christ is, <laughs> it is extremely difficult. And a lot of times, you know, we don't see the reward right away. And a lot of times it does seem like, you know, God, God, you're like my savior. You're, you're supposed to keep, you know, my foot from striking the stone or whatever. I, I forget how that verse goes, but, um, but we, and we don't, a lot of times it just seems like everything around us is just going wrong. Mm-hmm. And so I think in a lot of ways, same with entrepreneurship, if we can keep that grit in our faith, then you, you, you never you never know when or how our God's going to pull you through. And truthfully, I think sometimes, ever? yeah, I think sometimes you might not ever until, you know, even until death, until, because that's, that's the true ultimate hope that's of Christianity the goal, yeah. is eternal, you know, everlasting life with him. So you may not ever see the fruit of your works as a believer in, in this life. And that's a hard thing to accept sometimes, mm. but, mm. but yeah, I think it takes, I think in a lot of ways that grit you're talking about can, can be applied to our faith. And mm. I think yeah. what would, what makes it difficult, the, uh, the grit between entrepreneurship and faith, because I, I 100% agree, you do need a little bit of grit, actually I know a lot. The grit in entrepreneurship can potentially reap rewards, tangible, mm-hmm. visual yeah. rewards. Mm-hmm. The grit with Christianity, you have to just wait until the very, very, very end. Right. Hmm. It may it may reap rewards in terms of better patience, better compassion, understanding of people, the fruits of the spirit, but they're not very they're not always so tangible. Until it, it normally takes a long life of faith to really be able to uh, hold and exemplify maybe what you would see as our fathers in that type of respect. Whereas they spent however many decades pursuing a, a life of faith, it it takes a lot longer. Entrepreneurship can as well, of course. But it, the results are often more seen by other people, validated, understood. But the fruits of the Spirit are less so normally uh, in terms of the validation that you'll receive from people. And that eternal hope and that eternal reward is getting to heaven and, and hearing God say, well done, good and faithful servant. That is, the, that is the words of affirmation that seeking our faith really and truly uh, is the prize for me as someone who's like love language is words of affirmation. That's the words of affirmation I try to remember to focus on versus entrepreneurship. It can be so quick as to say, Oh, I like that podcast, man. Continue doing that. Oh, dude, you look shredded up there, bro. That's awesome. Like, I really want to be like you. It's the, it's the words of man that can be a little bit more tempting or it's, it's more short term, I would say, than the long term of, of, getting to heaven and God saying, well done, you did, you did your duty. It's like, <laughs> yeah. And, and we have to have faith in that. Exactly. And, 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 and yeah. because the words of man are tempting because we hear them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 the <laughs> tangible items in, in the world, we can touch them, we can see them, we can, mm-hmm. we can experience them. Great point. When it comes to God, unless you've had a vision, unless you hear him, unless... Uh, unless any of those things happen, you may not hear anything until the very end. 
You may get blessed throughout the life, you know, here and there, maybe not to your to what your expectations were, but mm. you have to have faith until the very end. Man. And yeah. here's the other scary part that not a lot of Christians think about. It could all be not it could all be fake. Yeah. Yeah. There's always that possibility. Yep. That's true. And that's we, part of the faith, right? That's part of the yeah. faith. If we if it was one hundred percent, why would you need to have faith? Right. If you knew 100% that God was real, the Bible was real, Jesus rose from the dead, ascended to heaven, and he's there waiting for you right now, why would you have faith if you knew 100%? Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's the point I think that we're yeah. Yeah. getting at. But I want to be respectful of our time, dude. This, mm -hmm. was, this blessed me so much, this whole conversation. It's so cool to see you uh, jump out of a, a secure career into something like entrepreneurship and succeed the way you have. And not only that, but be humble enough to come on a podcast that has 50 viewers per <laughs> podcast yeah. and be willing to have a conversation and share your vulnerability that I do not take for granted. And we will have all of your stuff linked up in our description, all of your handles, everything. Go check them out. Um, you heard the dates for everything. So <laughs> Yes, there's a lot of things happening. There's a lot of things. Lot, lot, things. So we are going to be doing a, a potluck luncheon after uh, Sunday service and I'm going to see if I can't pull together something by the 24th of February, two weeks after Valentine's Day for all the singles and everybody. Actually, no, it's just but just potluck for everybody, right? For I don't know. Uh, freedom? I, I, I will find a venue. <laughs> oh. Shoot. That's what I do. I put on events. <laughs> well, heck yeah, dude. But invite everybody afterwards. If they're able to make the space at Freedom, that'd be great. If not, we could find it some somewhere else. Yeah, I'm that type. I, I don't wait around to for others to do it. Uh, I make things happen. And is it okay to say that if people have questions for you, they can reach out to you in your DMs on There's Instagram? Everything, everything, DMs, emails, text. I would say phone call, but I ain't going to answer. I'll be honest with you. I'm always doing <laughs> yeah. something. Well, because we'll have your Instagram linked in the bio, mm -hmm. all your Instagrams. So yeah. if you have a question, feedback, thoughts, questions about what you heard here? Uh, gripes, complaints, concerns. <laughs> uh, call me bigoted. Call me whatever. We've, we've already got hate comments, dude. So you can join the club. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. No, and, and I say that because there's so Oh, man. Some people are ugly, but it's all right. I'll take it. It's, that means it's you're doing something right. If people yeah. are riled up about what you're saying, you're, oh, not, yeah. you're at least not vanilla. Oh, so. <laughs> anything but. I think that's another reason why I'm single is I'm extremely truthful. <laughs> That's a good I'm call. very honest. I'm very honest. It's, well, it's good we could talk about that later. <laughs> but yes, thank, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I really, really appreciate, appreciate it. We got to have you back, and, man. And we got to have you back. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I would love to have, be back. Um, it, it'd be nice to do something after my competition season. Yes. Ooh. That'd be interesting to hear about how yeah. it went. Right when I turned 40. Yes. Dude, that'd be so, much, that'd be so, <laughs> so fun. So when is that? It's like six um, months from now. Uh, the end of my competition. Uh, I'm. I'm. My last show was in August. Okay. In yeah. August. Yep. Perfect. Dang. Yeah. I, Dang. I'm gonna be. I'm, I'm. I've been dieting since November, so I'm three months, four months. Yeah. Four yeah. months dieting, and I still got six months to go. Wow. Dang, six All months. Right. <laughs> I look good though. <laughs> you can see my pictures online. <laughs> Everyone, stay tuned. Six months from now, well, you're gonna get the. You're gonna get the recap from his experience.
And thanks for listening. Yes. Peace out. It's a wrap. It's a wrap. The recap. That'll be really, really good. I didn't think about that. Yeah, that'll be, be my I'm not to talk to you. Yeah. Not now. Later. No, no.